0: In Acts chapter twenty, it's called Paul's farewell address to the Ephesian elders. We'll kind of unpack what that means here in just a second. Uh, but basically, it's uh, a guy who is uh, who's saying goodbye to his friends, and um, we're going to spend about three weeks, I think, just kind of under the theme of finishing well. I went ahead and kind of skipped through some of eighteen to nineteen. We might pick those up on a Sunday night. Uh, but, but I just, this really captured my imagination as, as I looked at it this week of just, just this guy who's, who's saying goodbye to his friends, you know, and, and what he's able to say, uh, man, just really stirred my heart. And so we're going to spend a couple of weeks just looking at how do you live without any regrets? Uh, how do you finish well? And, uh, I hope, I hope you're interested in that. I hope that's something that kind of captivates your heart is living a life, um, where you don't have any regrets, living a life where you can, you can finish well. So uh, that's where we're going to be. So Acts chapter 20 and we're going to read verses 17 through 21. It's kind of about half of his his kind of address, his sermon to these guys. Uh, we're not actually going to cover all of it. We're going to come back next. week and kind of pick up some parts that we didn't get to. Uh, I'm going to begin reading in verse 17. All right. Verse 17. Thank you, bud. And teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value or as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus.' to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom of God will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Let's spend a moment just praying and asking God to uh, help us to understand his word this morning. Father, we thank you for the Bible. We thank you for uh, the example of the Apostle Paul. God, we thank you that you have inspired a book that reveals to us your character and the way that you work in our lives and what you have done for us, what you will do for us. And Father, we, uh, we, we stand today uh, under your authority, under your, uh, your direction. And Father, we want to know your will. We want to obey you. We want to live according to your plan for our lives. So please help us today. Please speak to us. Uh, please send your Holy Spirit to to be our teacher this morning. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so Paul is going to Jerusalem, and he's in a hurry. Okay, he's, He needs to get there at a certain time. He's trying to get there for a, a certain feast. And uh, so they, they make a stop in Miletus. Miletus is kind of on the, on the coast and he, and he sends evidently some really fast guys. I don't know, he probably, probably picks the sprinters, okay? It'd been Brother Andrew if, it, if this were us today. We'd send Brother Andrew and, uh, and he sends some guys about 20 miles inland to Ephesus and he gathers the elders of the Ephesian church. Okay, now what's an elder? An elder is, is like a, a spiritual leader, okay? So would be like a pastor today. Please don't think of just paid pastors, okay, or full-time pastors, but these would be, be the, the spiritual guys in the church. The Guys that that Paul had trained and he had encouraged and he would built up in the faith. Maybe one to the Lord. And and now they're they're spiritual men who are kind of taking care of teaching and pastoring this church. Okay, So he sends for these guys. And so they all come. They they sprint too maybe. I don't know. But they come and they, they come to Miletus so Paul can just meet with them one last time. And basically say goodbye, okay? But in saying goodbye, he, 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 he kind of recounts his life. And what really gripped me about Paul's speech here, as he says goodbye to these guys, and he thinks about the three years that they spent together, night and day, he says. So every day together for three years, okay? Uh, just teaching and encouraging and preaching, probably working with them, hanging out with them, living in their homes. And, and as he's able to recount those three years... What, what really grips me is the guy doesn't seem to have any regrets. Okay. That, that's cool to me. Uh, that, that Paul had this, this sliver of his life that he invested in these people and he could step back and say, you know, I, I did what I was supposed to do here. Okay? I, want, I want slivers of my life like that, okay? I've got slivers of my life that are not like that, you know? I mean, uh, I, I can tell you I regret every second of high school, okay? I mean, all four years, I mean, I, you know, you, you always hear these people that say, you know, man, if I could do it all over again, I wouldn't change a thing. I'm like, what? You know? I mean, who are you? Uh, hello, are you awake, you know? But, uh, I, that's just not me. I'll tell you what, I'd, I'd change every, every minute of four or five years there, okay, in my life. And, and one of the things that I would really change about that was that I spent four or five years of my life, and this was before I was a Christian, but I, I did not invest in anyone, you know. I didn't benefit anybody. I didn't help anybody. I wasn't any, uh, of any practical good to anybody. And, and I've come to see in my life now that, man, that's what life is about, you know. I mean, that's why God put me here. And so I look at like four or five years of my life where I just was no good to anybody. In fact, probably did a lot of harm to people. And so it's interesting to me when Paul kind of recounts his, his time with these guys that he's able to say, man, I don't have any regrets about, about, about the way I lived among you, what I said to you, what I gave to you, how we spent our time together. Man, that's a cool thing to me that Paul could live without any regrets. Now. Well, we've well, we got to be real specific here about what we mean by this. Paul lived in a way that he could feel good about his impact on his friends and, and, and his family, his church family there in Ephesus. Okay, He knows he's never going to see him again. And, and so basically he's recounting his life. He's recounting how he spent it with them, uh, his impact upon them. And, and he's able to say, you know what? I I can live with no regrets. Now, can can you say that? Can you say that about any part of your life? Can you say that about you know your friendships here at church? Can you say that about uh, your kids? Can you say that about maybe maybe just how you're living right now? You know, maybe say, well, I, I blew it back then, and 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 there's forgiveness for that, right? We just take our sins to the cross. We trust in the in the forgiveness of Jesus. But but how we're living right now? Could, could you say? Can you step back and say, okay, I, I'm doing what I need to do in in, in, in the lives of other people. Now is going to be a problem with some people because I think some people are going to automatically push back and say, hey, you know what? I'm not worried about impacting my friends, you know? I'm not worrying about being an influence on my friends. I, I don't want to impact them. I don't want to be an influence on them. I just want to enjoy them, right? Don't you think some people are going to say that? Some people are going to really push back on my idea of what, what friendship is about and what family is about. Because some folks are going to say, hey, you know, I don't want to be in everybody's business. I mean, that's not why I've got friends. You know, I've got friends, I don't, I don't care how they live, and I'm not going to judge them, and I'm, I'm not going to push on their lives, and I'm not going to try to urge them in a certain direction. I'm just going to be friends with them. Here's what I would say, okay, and I'm really certain about this in my own life. I think I can prove it to you in Scripture, but here's what I would say. You are not that person's friend. That, that's what I would say. You're not their friend, okay? You might be their acquaintance. You might know them, okay? But listen, when you care about somebody, when you when you when you want somebody to be blessed, okay? When you're when you have a what we would call a Christ in a relationship here at Lincoln Avenue, you want to bless them. You want to protect them. You want to see their lives go well. You want to see their marriage thrive. You want to see their their parenting relationship really, really be nurtured and encouraged, and and you want to help them forward in their life. We've got a verse that we come back to a. Couple verses all the time here at Lincoln Avenue. They kind of define our small group ministry and it's in Romans chapter one, verse 11 and 12. And here's what Paul says. Paul's talking about friendship. He's talking about visiting people. And he says, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift, some spiritual benefit to strengthen you, to strengthen your life. Verse 12, that is that we may be mutually encouraged. You know, he's talking about himself, by each other's faith, both yours and mine. You see, that's what should happen in friendships. That's what should happen when you love somebody. That's what should happen in your house with your family you ought to be giving them something of benefit by being their friend by how you live among them you shouldn't just be a taker okay some people are just takers it's like yeah uh, I'll be your friend. And what that means is, well, you know, hey, if you know you want to go out and, and we'll do this together and hey, if you're fun, I'll hang out with you. And if I get something out of this, then, then I'll be your friend. That's not a spiritual friendship. Okay? We, we ought to love people. And if we love people, we ought to want to impact them. We ought to want to influence them toward Christ. We ought to want to be of some help and benefit in their life. The end goal is to be able to leave these people knowing that we have done something of benefit for their souls. Okay? That, that's the way, Paul looks at life that's the way Paul looks at, at his calling at his friendships at his family and, and folks I think that's the way we should look at it as well and so so maybe the bigger maybe if we could define, redefine our question maybe maybe not are you living without any regret but are you living without any eternal regret okay so let's add eternal to that and what I mean by that is is that you may not regret it right now but but that that could be simply because you don't value the right things you know, I really believe that when, when 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 some people tell me, "Hey, I don't have any regrets about life," I, I believe that they believe that. But but I also think they probably don't value the right things. You know, I mean, because if you don't value the right things, then that that messes this whole deal up. You know, if you don't value a relationship with Jesus Christ, the King of the Universe, then I, I, you probably won't have any regrets about not reading your Bible to your kids, right? I mean, is that correct? You know, you, you may live, live your whole parenting life. You know, your kids they leave you out of the house and they're gone, and, and, and you, you never sit down with the Bible. You never, you never talk to them about Scripture, never talk to them about Jesus. And you may not have any regrets. I mean, you would be able to live, be on your deathbed and say, you know, I don't regret anything. Well, I think you will, though. <laughs> you know, I, I, think, I think you not having your regrets is, is due to the fact that you don't value the right thing, you don't treasure. Yeah, you, you, you don't say, man, this is really, I want to give this to you, I want you to be blessed. You know, if, if you don't value holiness, if you don't value purity, if you're not a person that says, man, that purity and holiness, righteousness, that's really important. You're probably not going to regret times that maybe you, you watched a filthy movie in front of your kids. You know, you may, be, may, you may be able to be on your deathbed and say, hey, I don't regret anything. But, but but it's probably not because you didn't live a life without regrets. It's probably because you don't value the right thing. So what we see here in, in, in Acts chapter 20, we really get to see what, what Paul values. And, and because of what he values... How, how he describes the life that he lived that was without regret. Let's, let's take a couple things from, from Paul's life here, okay? First of all, finishing strong or finishing without regrets means being comfortable with the example that you've left. You know what's interesting is that Paul is a preacher, right? I mean, that's what he does. He's a preacher, and, and what he's best known for is his writings, you know? I mean, we, we've got Romans and 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians and Galatians and Ephesians and Philippians and, and 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians and 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy and Titus and Philemon. I and mean, we've got all those books because of Paul, okay? I mean, that, that's kind of his legacy is, is these truths that he imparted, these words that he spoke and the inspiration of the Spirit of God, okay? And so so Paul's a preacher, and so you would think that... What would really matter to Paul is what, it, what he said, and, and, and we, we get to that here in a minute. But it's interesting that Paul starts not with what he said, but Paul starts with how he lived, okay? Notice what he says in verse 18. When, when they had come to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I foot, set foot in Asia. So, so Paul begins by saying, hey, look, you guys saw me, you, you, you saw my life, you, you, you saw how I lived, you saw what I valued, you saw what I, what, what I did with my time, you saw my habits, you saw how I treated people, you saw my relationships. Folks, a person doesn't finish strong if they say one thing with their mouths and their lives undermine everything that they say, okay? You know, you know what Paul knows here? Paul knows that these guys saw his life. We need to know that about people, you know? I mean, we need to know that people are watching our lives. People are aware of what we're about. They know what you value. I mean, you might think, well, I told them what I value. No, they know what you really value because if they see your life, they know what you value. They know what your habits are. They know your schedule. They know how you handle your relationships. They know how you handle your family. And there's lots of people that completely take the potency out of what they say by the fact that their life doesn't match what they say so verse 18 paul paul knows he, he knows they've been watching his life and we ought to know the same that people are watching our life and so how do you live a life that that says what you want to say well how, how, how do we how do we even know that first of all well how, how do you here here's a better question how do you know what people are going to take from your life what, what, what are they going to take from your life what are they going what are they going to say characterize your life and here here's the real thing okay people are gonna people are going to know about your life what you continually habitually and consistently do okay you see you don't get a pick you don't get a pick you don't get to say well hey you remember that one time it was August 4th 1973 I did that one thing <laughs> that's what's going to characterize my life right there. you know we don't get to do that we don't get to do that What's going to characterize your life is the things that you consistently, habitually do. What are those things? Let me let me give you an example. Okay, um, I was home with my dad a few years ago. This probably been four or five years ago, and uh, I, I just happened to be out hanging out with him. Okay, so I'm hanging out with my dad, and uh, he he had his spray coop. He was trying to get the pump to work on his spray coop. He had this big big uh, uh, you know f- container of of uh, chemical, and he's trying to get the pump to work. The pump won't work. Well, 14 years ago, when I came to Lincoln Avenue, Ed Evans took me back here by the baptistry, and he showed me how to turn the baptistry on. It's got a little pump, just like the one that was on my dad's spray coop. And he said, he told me, he said, you know, he said, a lot of times you'll turn this thing on and it won't work. And he says, here's what I do, and we've got this little kind of... uh, hard plastic brush in the back. And he says, I just take this and I just whack on the end of it a little bit, you know? And boom, it starts up. And and it did, it worked. We replaced it about three years ago with the old one. That's how I got it to work. Every time we need a baptism, you know, I turn it on, nothing would happen. I'd take that brush, crack, 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 crack. You know, pretty soon it'd start going, you know? And so I'm there with my dad, okay? Now, if you know me, you know this. I can't fix anything, okay? I'm there with my dad. My dad fixes everything, you know? He can't get this pump to work. I, I picked up a crescent wrench and I just... Tap, 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 tap. The thing started up, you know. First time in my life, I fixed something. Okay, so here's a question. My life, when, when it's over, when I leave this planet, are people going to say, man, that Jason, he could really fix anything. Are they going to say that? I fixed something, I I told you, I've told this story publicly now. After today, 350, 375 people are going to know this story. And so is that what they're going to say at my funeral? Man, that guy, he could really fix stuff. No. You know why? That's not the consistent habitual pattern of my life. The consistent pattern of my life is I try to fix something, I make it worse, I call somebody who knows something, and they come and help me, okay? That's the habitual pattern of my life. And so I'd be a fool to think that because of the one victory that that's what's going to characterize my life. Folks, don't don't think that, you, that one day of good attitude or, 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 or that uh, the, the, the once a week when you have, a, you know, a pleasant demeanor in the morning, don't think that's going to, you know, override the consistent grumpiness of your everyday life. All right. You know, don't think that an occasional act of service on your part, it will overshadow a lifestyle of selfishness. Don't think that a few acts of generosity will define you as being generous when the bulk of your resources were spent on yourself i mean don't don't do that don't don't think well this is who i am because did you see what i did you know last tuesday you know is in the afternoon you know i I did that thing man that's not what people are going to remember about you they're going to remember what they saw habitually consistently in the pattern of your life those things are powerful in fact, the Bible, the Bible says often that the habitual lifestyle is a form of, of discipleship. In other words, when, when the way discipleship ought to work is when you pull somebody into your life and they, they, they do life with you and they, they're in your small group and they see how they eat with your family and, and you, you play you know catch in the backyard, and, and they, they go on a uh, to the trip to the city with you or whatever, and, and your life ought to be an impact on their life. G- Jesus said that a lot. John chapter 13, verse 15. He says, for I've given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. That's in the passage where Jesus sits down and washes his disciples' feet, you know? And basically he's saying, look, uh, you, you've, you've been among me and you've seen a habitual, consistent example of me serving you. Now you serve one another. You know, you ought to get that from my life. Hebrews chapter 13, verse seven. Here's what Paul says about spiritual leaders. He says, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. So there, there's a speaking the word of God. But then he says, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Okay, so, so in that verse, that verse seven there, there's two things there. He said, remember your leaders, remember what they said to you. But he says also, Man, consider the way they lived. You know, consider what you saw in their relationships. Consider how, how you saw that guy talk to his wife and, and and how he talked to his kids. And consider, you know, when you ate a pizza hut with them, you know, every week, you know, what'd you see there? Consider the way of life. What Paul is saying is, we say things with our life. And so it's it's incredibly impactful where Paul here is able to say, you yourselves saw how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia. Folks, example is a powerful means of impacting people. It's one thing to tell a guy, hey, Ephesians 5.25 says, love your wife as Christ loved the church. That's another thing for that guy to see you do that. That's a powerful thing. So, what did they see in Paul? Okay, so they, they looked at his life. What did they see in him? Well, he tells us here. Let me read verse 18 again. When, when they'd come to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you uh, the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia. Verse 19, serving the Lord. Let's stop right there. Serving the Lord. He says, he says you saw You saw, you saw my life consistent from the first, from the time I set foot in Asia, from the time I set foot in your 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 country. You saw that I was a servant of Jesus. He didn't have to just tell him that. He says, "You you saw that in me." What's he saying here? What he's saying is, "You saw that. Look, I belong to Jesus. My life is is evidenced by the fact that I belong to Him. I'm His servant. I'm His slave." My aim is to please Christ. You You know what a servant does? A servant works for the good of his master. He doesn't work for his own cause. Uh, I mean, we don't know much about being a servant or being a slave in our day, but but I think we can, we can understand that's what a slave does. A slave is not about his own business. He's not out doing his own thing. He didn't wake up and say, you know what, I'm going to go to the bank today, get a loan, start a small business, start a fruit stand on the corner, and I'm, I think I can make that work. He doesn't do that. You know, he can't do that. You know why he doesn't do that? Because a slave is not about his own thing. He's about his master's thing. And, and Paul says, you saw my life. And I gave you tons of evidence from the first day to the end to tell you I'm a servant of Jesus. And what does that mean? I was about my master's business. I was about the cause of Christ. The cause of Christ is very clear in the scriptures. He came to seek and to save the lost and to make them holy by conforming them into his own image. Okay. The the, the, the purpose of Christ is to glorify himself through the transformed lives of others. And so if you're a servant of Jesus, you're working toward that. And Paul says, you, you saw my life, that I was a servant of Christ, that I worked for that cause, that, that I served the Lord, that I spent time advancing the cause of Jesus Christ. Now, here's what's really cool is, is, is Paul gives us kind of a, a, a working definition of what is that going to look like, okay? So verse 19, he says, serving the Lord, and then he goes in and adds some, some uh, adjectives here. Are some descriptive words that, that, that help us understand what does it mean to be a servant of the Lord. Okay, the first one in verse 19, he says, Serving the Lord with all humility. With all humility. Let me read you a verse out of Philippians. This is a favorite one of mine. We memorized this this year in Team Kids uh, with our, our students. Philippians 2 verse 3 says, Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only for his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Man, do you see how that's so crucial? If you're going to be the kind of person that in your relationships and in your friendships and in your family, you do people spiritual good, you benefit them, you live in such a way where, where you help them become who God wants them to be, you help them not to sin, you help them be the people God wants them to be. Man, if you're going to do that, you've you got to employ humility. Because you know what humility is? Humility is, is being, being all about the bigness of God and not the bigness of you. You see, the bigness of you gets in the way every time, man. It just it trips you up, and you you. Let me. I, I was thinking about this. I never regret the humble times in my life, the times where in my relationship I'm focused on the needs of others, and the times when in my marriage where I'm focused on Emma. And, I, and I'm, not, I'm not focused on me and what I deserve and, and, and you know, what, that I didn't get And I'm doing too much work. And, you know, the, the times when I'm just focused on him, the times when I'm focused on the needs of others, the times that I'm focused on God, I never regret those times. Never. Isn't that cool? I always regret prideful times. Always. Whenever I well up on the inside and say, hey, hey, you know What? I don't deserve that. And hey, you know what? I think I'm carrying a little bit too much of the load here. And hey, have you noticed nobody else is doing it? I always regret those. I always. Anytime pride wells up in my life, I guarantee you there's never a time where I've not later said, man, that was stupid. I wish I wouldn't have made a fool of myself by being prideful. We go out to eat with people. I never regret Focusing on that other family. Asking them lots of questions. And what, what's your life about? Trying to encourage them. I always regret when I talk a lot about myself. <laughs> you, ever, you ever do that? I always do. I always, you know, I get started on this story. And, Let me tell you about me. Let me tell you what I did. Let me tell you about, you know. And I'm walking out of the restaurant thinking, man, I wasted that. I don't think I did those people any good. You know, they didn't they didn't need to hear in detail about my my bike ride, you know. I'm sure they're really edified now. Here's what I'm telling you: I always regret pride. I never regret humility. That's a great. That's a great rule of thumb, isn't it? Just, just as far as living without regrets. Paul says, "I serve the Lord, but I did it with humility." You know, humility means you don't get to pick who the others are in your life. You know, being other-oriented, humility means you don't get to pick those. You see, here's let me give you some telltale pride. Signs. So whenever you see this, you know you know pride's around the corner. When, whenever you see yourself picking out people and saying, I'm not going to help them. They irritate me. They're out. Er, you know, I already minister and serve to these people. That one, no. You know, okay? When, whenever you see you do yourself doing that, that, that's a prideful thing. When, when it, whenever you see... Whenever you see yourself being about you... That's a telltale sign of pride. So Paul says, I serve the Lord. You saw it. He says, I served with humility. Notice what else he says. Look in verse 19 again. Verse 19 again. He says, uh, serving the Lord with all humility. And then he says, and with tears. Okay, notice that. And with tears. Paul says he served the Lord with tears. Man, I tell you what, if, if there's if there's one part of this message here that, that I am most greatly convicted about, it's those words right there. You, you know what that means? That means what... Paul's got these friendships, and again, what's what's his his idea of friendship? His idea of friendship is, man, I want to help you, you know? I want to be a part of your life, and I want your faith to encourage me, and my faith to encourage you, and I want to help move you forward, okay? So he's got got these friendships, and Paul cares so deeply about those people that there are times when he cries. That's convicting, isn't it? To, To care about people at that level, you know? That when they're going through a tough time, and it kills you, it breaks you, it, it breaks your heart, it tears you up. You know, when I mean, to, to be that other-oriented, you know, where, where you're deeply moved by the lives of others. So many times, especially in our country, we like to carry people from a distance, okay? We don't want to get too close because, man, getting too close means messy and, you know, we, we don't want to do that. But man, Paul agonized over people's spiritual conditions. I like what he wrote in uh, 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians 2, he's describing his ministry. And in, in verse 7, he says, But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. It, isn't that a descriptive term? You know, I, I, have you seen nursing mothers? I mean, man, there's just this attentiveness and this, this gentleness and this nurturing. Okay? And Paul says, That's what I was like with you. These, these guys, these bearded. Sweaty, stinky, fishing elder guys, okay? And Paul says, I was like your nursing mother. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the level with which he cares for these guys. He goes on in verse 11. He says, for the same chapter, 1 Thessalonians 2. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you, encouraged you, charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God. You know how a dad's always looking for his his kids and Man, he sees something in him. He, no, go, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. I don't want you to go that way, son. I want you to go this way. You know, don't do that, man. When you do that, people think this about you, and, you know, it's just not, not going to be a helpful thing in your life. Uh, Father, I'd always be looking, how can I help my kids? How can I prepare my kids? How can, I, how can I be a blessing to my kids? How can I set my kids up for success? Paul says, that's the way I was with you in all my relationships. Paul cared deeply about people. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, listen to this. He's recounting all of his trials. Uh, he talks about being beaten, being stoned, being whipped. Okay? But in, in verse, uh, at the end of that whole list of all of his trials, verse uh, I think it's 28 and 29, yeah. He says, And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak and I'm not weak? Who is made to fall and I'm not indignant? And Paul felt the hurts of other people. Okay. So he says, you saw whole time you saw my life and you saw it was characterized by the fact that I serve the Lord. I'm about Jesus business. I'm about helping people become like Jesus. I did it with humility. Uh, you saw, I did it with tears. Uh, we'll go on. He says, you you saw I did it with trials. Uh, we're going to talk more about that actually next week. So we're just going to leave that one alone, but, but then notice what he says here in verse 20. He says, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public from house to house, okay? So, so Paul says, first of all, I can live with no regrets because I didn't hold back from you anything that was profitable, okay? Anything that was profitable. Well, what does he mean there? Well, what he means is, is he gave them the word of God. How do I know that that's what he means? Well, look at verse 20. He says, I didn't hold back from you anything that was profitable, comma, teaching you in public and from house to house. By the way, Paul, Paul's, Paul's ministry looked a lot like we're trying to make our ministry look like. We have public teaching times, this is one of them, and then we go house to house, don't we? We have, we have small groups in which we meet in homes and, and we, we impart the word of God to one another there. Okay, So Paul's kind of doing the same thing. But, but notice, Paul says, what's profitable to you is the word of God. Okay, that's what he says, what is a benefit to you is the word of God. And he says, I didn't hold back anything that was was profitable for you. I gave you the whole counsel of the word of God. You know, just, just stop right there and consider in your own relationships, if you're going to really care about people, if you're going to be able to live someday without any regrets, then part of your friendships and part of your, your relationship with your kids and your spouse is going to have to be that you in some way impart the Word of God. It doesn't mean you have to be a preacher. It doesn't mean you have to sit down and have teaching times. It just means that, that you're going to in some way have the principles of the Word of God and you're going, to, you're going to be able to give them to other people. You're going to be able to encourage them two other people that could, that could look like a million different things. You could be eating lunch with, with your friend and they're having a struggle at work, you know, and, and they're wanting to take revenge. You know, they're wanting to lose their temper. And you could just say, Hey man, you know, I'm, I'm going to pray for you. I know how you feel. But just remember what the Bible says. You remember, you know, the Bible says, you know, be angry and do not sin and don't let the sun go down on your an- on your anger. Okay. What, what have you done? You've been part of the Word of God. You've given the Word of God. Okay? And and Paul's able to look back on his his time there and say, look, I, I was faithful in giving you what was of real benefit to your life, what was of real, of real value to your life. Man, parents, do we believe this? Because if we believe what Paul's saying right here, okay, that what is profitable in people's lives is the word of God, then then I think, man, we gotta we gotta take a look at our own own lives. What what are we giving to our kids? because I know parents and parents want to give their kids every possible benefit in life. We started our last soccer season in uh, whenever that was, September, what I think it was, and and Avery had her first game and and you know, we're 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 not a very prepared people a lot of times and so, you know, that morning we're looking for soccer shoes, you know? And uh and and the ones she had were too small. But, man, we've got some great people in our life that have always, you know, given us their hand-me-downs and stuff. And so we had a couple to choose from, you know. But And so we got her some that, that, that were not too small, but they were a little big, okay. Well, that first game, was out there running. She's doing fine, you know. But Emma kind of perceives that she's not doing as good as she could do, you know. I mean, it seems like the shoes are bothering her a little bit. You know what we had to do? Between games, we had to drive like maniacs to inhibit sports, buy new soccer shoes that fit just right, and drive back. You know why? Because parents are really concerned. I want my kid to have, I want them to have everything they need to be able to succeed, right? That's what we want. Well, you know what Paul says? He says, I didn't hold back what was profitable to you. And what is profitable to you? New soccer shoes? Huh? maybe, yeah. I'm sure it increased her speed by, you know, a half a second or something. I'm sure there was some benefit. That's what I tell myself. But you really profitable to Avery. She have the word of God. What's really gonna be a benefit in her life? What's really gonna bless her? She has the word of God. Now now why would Paul say in verse twenty, I didn't shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable? Why would he say, I, I didn't I didn't pull back from declaring to you anything that was profitable? Why would anybody pull back from from giving people the Word of God? Actually, he says it again. Let me me take you to uh, uh, verse 27. I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. You know why why people would pull back from declaring the Word of God to their friends? Because there's stuff in this book that's really uncomfortable. Did you know that? I mean, there's stuff in here that really makes people squirm. You know, I mean... There's days where it's a joy to preach, and there's days where I'm like, everybody is going to hate me when I say this. You know why? Because the Bible challenges our lives. We're sinners. And you know what the Bible does? The Bible cuts right at our sin. By nature, we're idolaters. We want to make gods of all these things that aren't gods in the Bible. The Bible attacks our idols and it kicks the legs out from under our false gods. And it challenges us to tell ourselves, uh, to, to enable ourselves to continue to do the things that, that God wants us to do. And, and Paul is able to say, look, I didn't pull back from giving you the whole counsel of God. That's what verse 27 says. I didn't shrink from declaring you the whole counsel of God. Everything in here. There's things that are completely unpopular. Nobody likes election. Nobody likes election. No, nobody likes that. No, nobody likes predestination. Everybody hates that. You know, there's this groan whenever we come out, come to it in the Bible. You know, nobody likes what, what Jesus said about divorce. I mean, no, no guy, man, Wednesday night, man, we hammered on, on Matthew five, what Jesus said about lust, man. No guys like to hear that. I mean, there's just things in the Bible that nobody wants to hear. And Paul says, look, I loved you enough. And I trust Jesus enough that I gave you the whole council of God. I didn't hold back anything. You know, Paul wasn't a one-bullet preacher. Man, I, I don't want to be a one-bullet preacher. There, there's guys like that, and, and I never see their ministry strive. You know, they, they have this thing that they really love in the Bible, and they just hammer it all the time, okay? I could be that. It'd be really easy for me to Christ in a relationship everything, every week, you know? I mean, I really like, I like that part of the Bible, okay? And never preach on harder things. And, you know, that's one of the reasons I preach through books, because it makes me preach everything. There's guys that are just evangelistic and they do a great job. But you know what? If they if they never talk to their people about personal holiness or forgiveness or uh, uh, loving your brother, you know, uh, their the people suffer because we need the whole counsel of God. And so Paul says, I didn't shrink back from giving you the word of God. And so let me tell you, folks, if you're going to be able to say someday, I lived without regrets. Then you're going to have to in some way learn to communicate. God's truth to the people you care about in your life. Do you have to preach sermons? Please don't. It'll be really awkward, okay, for you to be at Taco Mayo with the kids and say, "All right, guys, I've 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 got a sermon for you. I've got three points. Everybody, sit down." You know, it'd be a lot better if just in the natural course of your life, you you give people the word of God. You bless them with God's truth. But please don't think I I, I got a hammer on this. Please don't think that if you never communicate God's truth to people that you really love, you've not done for them what they needed from you. How do I know that? Well, look what he says in verse 26. He says, therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. What what does he mean? I'm innocent of the blood. Are they all bleeding here? Is that is that that what's happening? You know, he's looking around. They're all bleeding. Paul, I didn't do it. You know, what what he's saying there? Blood represents harm. It represents people being harmed. Obviously, right? You see blood, you know somebody got harmed. It represents God's judgment. It represents people perishing. Okay, And, and you know what Paul's saying? Paul's saying, look, if 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 you if you perish. And if you're harmed and if you go the wrong way in your life and if you twist off and, and you don't trust Jesus and you don't live for Jesus and you, you you suffer eternally for that, Paul says, that's not on my shoulders. You know why? Because I've spoken the truth to you. Here's the thing. I can't make Haddon follow Jesus. I wish I could, but I cannot make him. I can't make him. It's just at some point, he's going to do what he's going to do. Okay, but, and he knows this, whatever he, if he twists off and does the wrong thing, he will never be able to say, my dad did not tell me. He'll never just be able to say, you know, my dad didn't speak the truth to me. He won't be able to say, my dad didn't share the gospel with me. He won't be able to say, my dad didn't tell me about Christ and about the spirit of God and about the cross and about forgiveness. He won't be able to do that. I mean, I feel, I've not done it perfectly, but I'm innocent of the blood of my kids. I think I'm innocent of your blood. I I think I've tried really hard every week to tell you the God. Have I always preached interesting, compelling sermons? No. Many of you sleep. I I see that. You know, I know some of them bomb. But have I been faithful to give you the gospel? I think I have. And that's a big deal. I got called yesterday to to go visit a guy. Guy's dying. He probably won't make it another week. Never spoke to him before in my life. I sit down by his bedside. Families gather around. And I said, look, I said, I, you know, I know you don't know me and, and I hate to be presumptuous, but I said, I, I got to tell you some things. And I, and I got to tell them to you for you because I, I care about you and I want you to know. Them, but I got to tell them to you for me because I said, honestly, sir, I, I don't want you to slip into eternity. And I don't want to live with the fact that I was here in your home. And I didn't tell you these things. And he listened. I was glad he did and I got to share with him. I, I don't know where he's at. I really don't know him very well. But I, but I got to share the gospel with him. Man, I don't, to, I don't want to over-dramatize this, but don't be guilty of people's blood. That's that's serious, isn't it? If you're going to live with no regrets, I think you got to be a person that To the best of your ability and to the best of your opportunity, you you told people about Jesus. If you haven't, I think you're going to have some things to regret. There's going to be a day when uh, we're not going to see each other again. And you're not going to see each other again. That day's coming for everybody, you know. It might be in death. It might be we move, you know. And there may be a day where God moves you or God moves me or God moves somebody, you know, and, and have we lived with no regrets? I want to. I want to be able to be in heaven someday and look back and say, I didn't do it perfect. Paul's not saying he did it perfect. But, but he's saying, man, I, my life, my life was consistent with what, with what I said. And I lived a habitual life. Of, of serving the Lord in humility really caring about people in tears through trials and, and I didn't hold back from sharing God's truth from, from giving someone people the people in my life things that would benefit them and help them move forward I think that's what friendship's all about let's pray together God I pray that we'd be good friends to one another God, and, and Lord, help us to, to just see our relationships as, as tools by which we help each other, by which we bless each other. We help each other in, in our lives and through our trials and through our struggles and in our relationships and in our marriages and with our kids. And Father, I pray, God, that you would help us to be faithful in all those things. God, help us not to hold back what, what is really beneficial for people. Father, I pray that you'd help us to live a consistent life. Lord, show us. God, one of the things we, we ask you to do today is show us. God, show me. What, what are the things that characterize my life? Lord, I, I may not even be looking at my life right. And so, Lord, show me. What, what are the things that that other people see in me day after day after day after day? And, God, I, I pray that those things are, are helpful. God, that they're they're things like serving you. Father, speak to us today. Bless us as we go. In Jesus' name, amen.